Good evening, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of All Elite Talk, hosted by the AEW Fan Hub. I am one of your hosts for the evening, ATX Caleb. And this is Kelson, and well, we're also joined on top of Caleb here. We have Rollins, who's doing a Wolverine impression on camera, Shane D., Ah, and Aki. And uh, so let's get this started. You know, and in the words of my favorite new American, chin up, tits out, let's have a good show, and watch out for the shoes. Caleb, what do you think? What do you want to talk about first here? You know, I, I feel like we got to go into what's most important, and that's the Triple B baby, Maxwell Jacob Freeman, the world champion, and everything that's going on with Samoa Joe in the men's tournament. Uh, I feel like we got to start with Joe here. I, I mean, this AEW is building a feud off of a, a GIF, a GIF, whatever the hell you want to call it, from what eight years ago. We're, we're getting a full feud off of that. I mean, if that's not long-term storytelling right there, I don't know what is. Uh, and I mean, at this point, I feel like it's fairly obvious Joe has to win the tournament, right, Kelson? How do you feel? You know, we touched about this last night, you know, and it is, you know, a long-term thing coming, and it's perfect for Tony Khan and the Jericho Appreciation Society. Not really sure about MJF and Samoa Joe, but, you know, um, we touched on this last night, saying that, you no, know, can we finally have a tournament of some sort where the winner of the tournament is not obvious and predetermined. And guess what they went and did? They made the winner of the tournament obvious and predetermined. I mean, well, why are we only, having this not, tournament? Not only the winner, they've made the finals of the tournament obvious and predetermined. It's obviously going to be Roderick Strong versus Samoa Joe in the finals. I mean, do, does does anyone here disagree with that statement at all? You know, let's go to Rollins and see what his reaction is is to this. I would actually do Roderick Strong versus MJF at Grand Slam. I would hold off on doing Samoa Joe versus MJF until either Full Gear or the next pay-per-view we have coming up on October 1st in Seattle, Wrestle Dream, unless that's just going to be Forbidden Door 2.0. Um... Yeah, Caleb, I love that building this feud off of a GIF um, from all that time ago, but I don't think they should do this match at Grand Slam. Let the story build more. That's what I got. So, Jane, do you feel any differently? The only person here that has a story... Hold on, my best Cody Rhodes impression. I have to finish the story. The only person that has a story. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, oh my God, Shane, why? It was great. It's a good impression. Please. Suffering. <laughs> I got to finish the story. Um, the only person there that has a f story to finish is Roderick. I know. I'm sorry. I can't help myself, right? The official oh, channel. God, you're going straight to hell. I tell you. Do, I'm just over Three, here doing over here doing heel stuff. You're welcome. Yeah. The, the channel needs balance from time to time, but. Um, listen, the only person that has a story to finish is um, <clears throat> Roderick Strong. They've been building this up for two months. Oh, whoa, my God. 
where's my best friend and then adam came out and saved him when he was getting beaten up by samoa joe i would love to see samoa joe up there but why do we need to see samoa joe up there he's already holding the roh world title he is the king of roh television he doesn't need any more acclaim he could walk in and out of any storyline out roderick strong on the other hand actually walked out of here winning a match tonight and looking decent i would i would wager that we would be more likely to see him versus mjf i just don't think he's gonna beat him but you, you know what doesn't look decent is either man, man's neck after tonight's match because my god <laughs> well they took well, some bumps well joe i mean joe's neck is crushing beneath the weight of his greatness and Roderick Strong is, but <laughs> his neck is crushing beneath the weight of his age and, and um, misery. So <laughs> misery towards not having Adam Cole as a friend anymore. But hey, uh, Aki, do you got anything on this one, dude? What do you think? I honestly love the promo battle because both of them were just as petty as the next one. And um, True. the the thing that got me the most was when um, when uh, after. Adam saved MJF and he was like in the corner like him screaming that his like he was numb or whatever that like that I don't know that just that just like got me in the feelings it just yeah. you know, it got me all in the yeah. feels that that hit hard I mean it really did feel real yeah it felt so real I'll bring up a question for you here Aki we already have MJF as a double champ what are the chances this leads to long-term Adam Cole and MJF both being double champs with Adam Cole beating Samoa Joe for the ROH TV title? Uh-huh. Yeah, me either. Shane, Shane Rollins, any thoughts on that one? It's definitely an interesting idea that I had not even considered. Well, you look at the story it would totally make sense i mean the the whole idea is challenging the final boss right now that's mjf i mean he uh you, you can't downplay the greatness of the triple b baby like the triple b's the triple b that's the biggest title to go after like so you pass off joe's title to adam cole it's like trading uh participation trophies except for the AEW world title it, it, that gives context to not only a cool uh, dispute within the tag team, they have to defend that tag team together. If there's dissonance between two champions that are trying to battle out between two belts, that's, but you're talking about a lot of streams crossing. I feel like Charlie day standing in an office room and it's always sunny connecting dots on a blackboard. I I don't think that Tony Khan is capable of cohesively tying those two the, all of those stories together. Not before a Grand Slam. I think most likely we're going to see Roderick Strong, uh, going against MJF and losing. Um, uh, what? Hey, Caleb. By the way, uh, <laughs> is do you have anything else to uh, say on that? On on top of that, or you know, that's where I, I think Roddy. Roddy uh, being the opponent at Grand Slam makes sense because we talked about it last night. Whoever wins the tournament is not beating MJF. And you could have MJF come out and cost Samoa Joe the match to Roddy in the finals to farther both feuds. 
you can have MJF set up the match with Roddy thinking Roddy will be a easier opponent and farther delaying the Samoa Joe story that at this point is obviously going to happen. Uh, but, you know, we never know what's going on in the crazy mind of Samoa Joe uh, in the crazy mind of Tony Khan. Um, we have no clue. Uh, but we're going to move on from that. Uh, you know, we had another great, great match tonight from two phenomenal talents in Nick Wayne and Darby Allen, and we have the involvement of Christian Cage still looming. Kelson, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, you know, I I know that Christian Cage wouldn't like me because uh, my father passed away in 1990. Um, <laughs> I, I, I get very depressed, and, and I get very angry when and i'm not talking incredible hulk angry i'm talking laying in a fetal position on my floor sucking my thumb angry <laughs> you know but you know let's let's face it i've seen more and more people on the internet wrestling community aw fan hub just singing the praises of christian cage and uh, there was a. I posted this on on our AW Fan Hub subreddit today. There was a TikTok of uh, Christian Cage. Apparently, he it was actually really cool because he, he he apparently visited a school, and at the school he took a picture with a the girl. They had it on video, uh, posing for a picture with a little girl. The girl could have been probably eight, nine, ten years old, um, and she had actually brought one of those plastic replica championship belts with her and of course christian no. stole the belt threw it over his shoulder and took a picture the girl's smiling and christian is scowling like he always does and as soon as the picture was over he literally lost it he was laughing at himself so hard he thought it was the fun and it was this cool scene and he shook hands with the father and stuff like that and it was just cool seeing christian break character for literally seven seconds if that or whatnot, but you know, when it comes to Christian and the whole Nick Wayne and Darby Allen thing, it's it's just I don't care what happens. I just want it to happen. You know what I mean? It's one of those things I want to enjoy the ride. Rollins, what do you what are you thinking about this whole thing with with the with Christian and the uh the young young guns over there. I call them the young guns, even though they're not. I, no, I get what you're saying there, Kelson. Um, it's okay. Christian Cage is definitely one of the best heels in AEW right now. That's not even a question. But it's just like, why do we still have Darby Allen involved in this story? Like, Luchasaurus beat him over the weekend at All Out. There's nothing more you need to do with it. You can have Christian Cage and Wayne be its own separate story and have Darby Allen be involved in something else. He's shown that he's capable of being a singles wrestler, and he's shown that he can be the singles feud. So, yes. That's what I got. Go ahead, Shane. Well, I mean, hold on. First of all, Kelson, 
Christian Cage is breaking kayfabe and acknowledging another father after kicking his daughter out of an arena on TV. No way. Yeah, that it, was, ha- it, it, it totally it totally ruined his whole character for me. Oh man, that's I, you know that seven seconds ruined my life, which <laughs> is the same thing my ex wife used to say to me. <laughs> oh, hey. that's fire! Oh my god, and you know, oh my god, and then Christian Cage. Oh, well, you guys are thinking I'm talking about you know. <laughs> Wrestling, <laughs> <laughs> wrestling with your wife, yes. And Christian Cage is about wrestling, talking about wrestling and your dead dad. Um, and that's uh, <laughs> oh, oh, good guy. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, where's the mute button? I know, right? You guys, again. why are, why are we keeping, keeping burying dads? We, I thought we were past. All right, all right. Christian Cage has never cared about burying your dead dad. It's every single promo. He did Jack Perry and then turned around and talked about sliding into his mom's DM. The guy is a Teflon. Uh, he's a Teflon heel. And uh, Kelson, by the way, I'm so sorry, man. I'm not. Uh, I like the joke. Nothing personal. <laughs> I, did, I, I, I was trying to be funny. I hope I wasn't offending you. But um, I mean, like we're talking about. Yeah, a guy I, like, I, I'm really torn up. Now you're doing I'll send you some flowers, Kelson. It'll be okay. <laughs> you send know me, what Kelson does me, for a living, right? Me <laughs> daisies because I could put them on my dad's grave and see if he actually pushes up daisies. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not pushing hey, up child support, so <laughs> let me. Okay, guys, listen. <laughs> We're talking about a guy that has built his whole entire AEW career around in the past year, and and he's one of the guys that controls his own creative, right? Um, Darby, man, like we're, we're ragdoll Dar- Darby Allen is going to go out there. Christian and Luchasaurus is actually making Darby interesting right now. Right. Uh, Christian is a guy that built his whole entire last year around, and I'm sorry for digressing around, um, the whole dad gimmick, right? He, he, uh, and again, he kicked his own daughter out of a, out of an arena, <laughs> I think this is a cool angle. Uh, it, it's something that's new. It's breathing. Uh, it's breath, breathing a fresh storyline into uh, what's going on between the three of those guys. With Nick Wayne's father being freshly passed in the past year, it's something interesting. Sad, albeit, but it is stronger uh, wrestling wrestling storytelling. Aki, you said you had something to expand on this, and I hope. It's not a jab at any of us for being so cynical. <laughs> what do you got, Aki? So I have two things. The way that Darby can be placed into this feud can happen in one of two ways. Um, and one of them is uh, Darby is always around AR Fox, right? At the end of the match, he was like comforting him, telling him, oh, it's all right, you lost, it's whatever. And then that's when Christian comes in. And he starts messing with uh with Nick Wayne and he was like talking about him and you know, like talking about his dad, all that other, you know, Christian stuff. Um it could spark something where um like anytime Darby's away, uh Christian manipulates um uh Nick Wayne into like possibly joining his group or a, a different way is that um is uh is that darby's kind of like a father figure to um to to nick wayne 
and um i guess you could somehow get christian to like destroy darby in some way i mean like with luchasaurus and have him like kayfabe injured or something and then that's when christian comes and does something with nick wayne or whatever basically use darby as a as a way for nick wayne to either join christian or have a feud with christian even more that i i, I fully agree uh with the point you made there aki of oh and Wayne. i uh, and i uh really liked um i, I love christian like I, I love all three of these people uh, and i i think a lot of fans are in the same boat there of loving all three and like you said, there's a lot of directions they can go with this. Uh, the one I'm feeling most likely towards is an eventual full-on Nick Wayne feud with Darby Allen, The mentor versus the mentee with uh, Nick Wayne eventually going over. If Nick Wayne goes over in a feud with Darby Allen, it's not going to hurt Darby at all. D- Darby's established in- himself enough in AEW to where he can do anything, win or lose, and he's still going to remain just as popular. I mean, that, that's proven with him losing to Luchasaurus. It didn't kill his credibility whatsoever. Um, so I, I'm hoping that's the direction that they go. But, Kelson, uh, what do you want to talk about next? Because I feel like we've talked about uh, the, mo- the most amazing heel in the business right now, in my opinion, in Christian Cage, along with uh, Darby Allen and Nick Wayne. Before we move on, I do want to say, two more things about Christian in the dynamic with Nick Wayne and Darby Allen. It's like Sesame string one Sesame street. One of these things doesn't belong here. I mean, Christian is so far off track with Darby and, and Nick Wayne. That's what makes it special to me. And the second thing I want to bring up is, you know, if you saw the, the post post uh, media scrum post all out media scrum, when Christian came out, it was just brilliant. I mean, he sat down. The first thing out of his mouth was, "How are how are your fathers doing tonight?" And the whole <laughs> reporting pit just cracked up. And he never broke character, <laughs> you know. And but one thing that he said is that they asked him about Edge, and he didn't even answer the question. He said, "I only have." You know, I only talk about myself and Luchasaurus, and Luchasaurus is my only friend. He never brought up Nick Wayne and Darby Allen, so keep that as a greatest greatest all. Yeah. And, and I'll add real quick while while we're on the subject of Edge, there, could you imagine a, of how fun it would be as those two as a tag team doing the the fatherless gimmick and trying to father all the fatherless men of AEW. Could you just imagine the craziness that the, uh, the crazy fun that those two could have together doing it? Cause I mean, Christian alone already makes it special. You, you had edge to that mix and that would just be absolute madness in my eyes. Hey, hey, wow. Caleb, let me ask you a question, bud. How would a That's person, weird. how would a person, uh, s- serving as a surrogate father, fair against a guy like Hangman at a page, who who his whole entire gimmick is based on him being a family man, who is a father, an alcoholic, an alcoholic dad, you <laughs> no, alcoholic family man, <laughs> with a wife and kids. We love you, Rollins. We got I was, absolutely fun. Oh gosh. 
And here's our segue. Yeah, and on that, uh, and on that note, we're just going to move on. Um, I want to bring up, you know, we just mentioned Hangman, you know, our Uncle Jesse alcoholic, and and Swerve Strickland. And, you know, I'm looking at my TV, and I'm listening to my TV, Swerve Strickland is a master. And I'm going to tell you why I think this. He asserted himself and quietly, quietly asserted himself and got in Adam's, Adam, Adam Page's face. When was the last time you'd seen somebody so subtly just knock somebody off every pedestal that, pedestal that they've ever been on? I mean, he never raised his voice. He just talked. I was actually kind of worried that the people in the crowd were going to start. We can't. We're going to start a chat. We can't hear you. We can't hear you. And Danny, are you doing an Uncle Jesse over there? All I'm seeing is you know shot glass after shot glass being knocked down over there. Anyway, <laughs> and by Uncle Jesse, I mean Hangman Adam Page. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean. I was disappointed when they announced the match was going to be Brian Cage against Hangman Adam Page because I immediately wanted to see Swerve Strickland. And I was terrified to see Swerve Strickland because Swerve Strickland is never given an opportunity to win. Caleb, I mean, what's your take on this? Because are are you thinking the same way I am? I mean, I'm actually terrified to see Swerve Strickland in the ring again because he does such good work until he gets into wrestle and he has to eat a loss. I, I'm in the same boat as you on that note. I, if Swerve eats another loss, his his AEW. I don't care who it's to. It, it it does not matter if it's to Hangman, who obviously AEW, like Swerve mentioned, has been trying to build around forever. If Swerve loses in a feud or even just one singular match to Hangman. His AEW career is as good as dead. There, there's no... The amount of redemption they'd have to put on his character for it to make sense for him to hold any title at that point would be ridiculously high. I mean, I, I love Swerve. Swerve, like you said, absolutely dominated uh, on the mic tonight. He even, even when he was all over the place, he still came back around and drew me right back in. If he doesn't go over in this feud with Hangman. I don't know what we're doing. Because, like I just said with Darby, Hangman's in the same boat. If Hangman loses, it doesn't do anything to him. His popularity is not going to go down. He's not going to get lost in the shuffle. He's not going to go anywhere. He will always be a part of there. He just signed a new right. contract extension. Right, uh, he's but, got the elite behind him, too. Yeah, it's so... I just if if Swerve loses, I, I, say goodbye to him. Honestly, yeah, I, I, I really mean, feel like well, happening. we've been saying that for a while now, and he loses and he's still there. But I'm going to tell you, you know, I before we go to Rollins, I just want to interject something in here because, as you said, Adam Page got a new contract, you know, so and he's got the elite behind him, and he's not going anywhere. Obviously, AW hates Swerve Strickland. They left him in a freaking coffin for goddamn two weeks. 
I, I, I wonder if his dread was hanging out the whole time. <laughs> like, when he said that, I was like, really? <laughs> but R Rollins, uh, do you feel any differently than we do here? Slightly, but not fully. Um, first of all, it makes sense that they're doing Brian Cage versus Hangman next week. Because it was Brian Cage that came out in the post-angle, whatever you want to call it, and attacked Hangman. So, you want to do that match. And like what I was saying earlier with Samoa Joe and MJF, they're going to go through with this Hangman or Strickland feud, which it looks like they're going to. Don't do it at Grand Slam. Do that at either Wrestle Dream. Or full gear. You could easily stretch this feud out. Or. One of those two pay-per-views. I easily think they could. Um, so. That's, that's really what I've got on it. But. Um, in terms of Swerve. Yeah. He needs to win. Hangman. Like you guys were saying. Just got the new contract. He's been AEW world champion. Which he never should have lost that belt. But that's a different subject for a different day. Um, and no, he's going to be able to recover from a loss to Swerve. Swerve could be able to recover from a loss to Hangman? Oh, he's not. So, Swerve needs to win. But I don't think this match should happen at Grand Slam. <laughs> Go ahead, Shane. Oh, uh, I'm still here. Hey, uh, uh, Rollins, Russell, Russell Dream is going to be a fantasy show akin to Forbidden Door. They're going to use the show for exposition, but that's probably about it. I'm not sure. I mean, most of the time when they're talking about shows like Russell Dream, uh, they're not making any gigantic moves unless it's something that they've alluded to in the long burn storytelling realm. I want to, um, I want to focus in terms of Swerve Strickland and just Hangman Adam Page on, on a couple things in terms of the promo. Adam Page came out, and they focused on him being the hero. That was the first thing. Hey, he's a teacher helping teachers. He's a teacher looking at inner-city kids. He's a teacher trying to do the thing. And then Swerve came out and called him out dead to rights. Hey, you must be AEW's hero, right? Hey, man, you must be AEW's guy. They built the whole entire uh, foundation for the ideology of the company on the back of you. But here you are taking a backseat. And whereas Swerve has been a fantastic performer who's been treated like a job factory, this could be some long-term storytelling. There's and, and again, I'm not one to placate into the ideology of race, creed, gender, gender politics, race politics, any of that. But uh, Swerve did make a couple of poignant statements during his um, promo cut. He said, hey, I, if I were giving the opportunity, opportunities that you have been given being at the same caliber of performer, I'd be the first black uh, 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 AEW title champion. Uh, now, um, that's amazing. I'd love to see that. And not just for the sake of, of sociopolitics, just because Swerve Strickland is a fantastic professional res wrestler that's never been given his due diligence. They've treated him like a job factory for a long time. We don't want more Swerve Strickland exposition. And he made very poignant points. Um, he they've marginalized his role and they've uh, committed him towards uh, putting him up towards talents 
to elevate those talents. Now look at Jade Cargill. Her title reign was equal part equal parts dominance and equal parts support demographic. Swerve takes part in his own creative. Let's be realistic. Um, Swerve has allowed himself to take a bat backseat. <laughs> Not really, but thank you, Caleb. Swerve has allowed himself to take in a little bit of a backseat, but now he has his come up come upance. He's going against Hangman Adam Page, right? This could be the defining moment for Swerve Strickland's career. He could be the person to topple Hangman or give Hangman that springboard into permanent, permanent overance while also sustaining a career where he could potentially be the AEW World Champion, which would be fantastic. Swerve deserves his day in court because he's a dominating force in the ring. And he spends most of his time doing faction work or tag team work with uh, supporting casts that never bring to the table what he has to offer. I'm all for him uh, being world champion. Uh, Aki, what do you think, dude? Swerve should be the one that wins this feud because Swerve is very good. Couldn't set up better myself. Short, simple, and perfect. Uh, Aki, as always, on the money right there. Yeah, I mean, Swerve is, as Shane said, eventually. Uh, <laughs> we had to do a little bit of editing there. but All good. I, we're just having a good time. That's all it is. Uh, Swerve, whether he is a male or a female, white, black, Asian, whatever. He's a damn good wrestler. And that's why he should win. Period. I, I'll say I'll say it because nobody else did in this point. Swerve is much better than Hangman Page in every facet of professional wrestling. Yeah, I'm not I'm not afraid to say it. I will put my whoa there and say that I whoa. I like whoa. I like, statement right I like there, Caleb. Bold hey, statement. Bold statement, Caleb. Hey, by the way, that the same caliber. Yes. You know but, what? Hey, you know what, Caleb? Swerve has never been given the representation that Hangman Adam Page has been given. Hangman was picked up by the elite while he was working in Japan as a jobber, and they pushed him to the to the I almost swore again to the earth and moon. I had to stop myself. And no, the drinks aren't hitting me like Hangman Adam Page, Rollins. <laughs> I didn't I'm say just, anything. I'm just saying, if Swerve, this, this but that's kind of like the dangerous part of this conversation. If Swerve and Swerve said it during his promo, if he had been given the same types of representation, he might be further ahead in his career. Give him the opportunity to show that against Hangman, he might have that opportunity, and I think they should give it to him because you know what, Aki, you might be right. He might be the better professional wrestler. Have no. Swerve continue to manipulate or not manipulate. Have him continue to like pry into Hangman like he's better than Hangman to make him feel insecure so that he can be back to how he was before when um when Kenny Omega was the champion and he was the god of pro wrestling. Um, have uh swerve kind of like get into his mind so hard that he switches back to that insecure um person and then it will make it so that when he wins he will look like a menace and he'll look even more scary because he he basically destroyed hangman both mentally and physically that's a great point aki and 
sorry, sorry to cut you off, Rollins, but we do have to move on. But before we do, I just want to add the fact that everyone else of the elite has lost since re-signing their contracts. Hangman has not. He's due to lose. It, it, I, I will move on now here. Uh, we're going to move on to the women's match that we got tonight. And that was the TBS title open challenge. Don't exactly know how it was an open challenge, considering it was announced, you know, what, uh, almost 18 hours before. Uh, but we got uh, Ibi Sakura versus Chris Statlander tonight. And uh, Kelson, what did you think on this one? I am going to make uh, a bold statement here, but I really don't understand why anybody would consider it a bold statement. Look, Emi Sakura in less than a month is going to be 47 years old. And in my opinion, Emi Sakura and Chris Statlander put on the match of the night tonight. That was a good match. My nephew was sitting on the couch watching Dynamite with me. He had no idea who Emi Sakura was. He's not a AEW diehard like like we are here. And after that match was over, he looked at me and he said, that could quite possibly be the best women's wrestling match I've ever seen. And that wasn't even Emi Sakura's best match. I mean, give it to, to Chris Statlander for always showing up. But I loved that Emmy Sacker got a chance to shine on national TV again because she's a special talent. I'm sorry, she is. And I wouldn't mind seeing her every week. Seriously, you know, and I even posted in, in, in our live chat on, on Reddit before the match started. I said, you know what, I wouldn't be terribly upset if Emmy Sacker walked away with a win here because she deserves it. Caleb, what what are you thinking? Do you echo any of that, or what are your thoughts? I I enjoyed the match. I I I knew there was no chance of Sakura winning. That's what I I really will just leave it at that. I I am really kind of getting sick of people getting. uh, I mean, it's nothing against Emmy. But I'm sick of the TBS championship in particular being a title where the people that match up with the champion have literally zero chance of coming out with with the belt. It's over and over again. With Jade, I mean, 59 times. We've seen it with Statlander already. I mean, nobody nobody in their right mind thought Ruby was going to win. Nobody thought that Sakura was going to win tonight. I'm just wondering when the TBS title is going to get a legit threat challenging for it. Uh, Rollins, do you do you have any thoughts echoing either me or Kelson here? I fully echo what you're saying, Caleb, and I'll just tie it into Moxley match at the beginning super quick. I didn't think Moxley was going to lose the international championship against AR Fox. And the same thing with Statlander. And Emi Sakura. Um, those matches were way too predictable. But that's how the TBS championship has been. At no point did I think Jade Cargill was going to lose 
until Statlander came back from her injury. And even though I didn't see All Out, oh, I didn't think Statlander was going to lose to Ruby Soho. Give me a break. Ruby Soho is buried. And Sakura, she put in a good showing, but it wasn't biting on any of the near falls that she tried. you have anything different, Shane? Do you feel the same way? Um, I don't have to talk about the match. Isn't what we hope for as AEW fans is a breakaway from what has consistently disappointed us? If we could look at a card and say, hey, this is what what's going to happen, and it's the same result every single time, don't we? doesn't it kind of desensitize you to what's going to happen with the program in in the next episode? Yeah, I, I would really appreciate in the future if they took matches like this and kind of broke that trend. I don't want to see Chris Stat drop because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Chris Stat stan. At the same time, you know, maybe we do need an event where they put her up at a rampage or a collision and she just drops randomly because that's what gives the best best exposition for storytelling in the future. Aki, what do you got, bud? In my opinion, how I see matches is even if they're on even even if they're predictable, I still look for the positives. I still see like how entertaining it is because at the end of the day, that's what the matches are for, even if it is predictable. However, I, I, I want a story. How I think it should be is that there should be like two weeks or something in between title matches. Have two weeks, have a short story, give have even if it's like even though obviously Emmy wasn't going to win, at least give them like two weeks, have them like on rampage and dynamite and collision, have promo battles, have have something in between that so at least there's something of a storyline before the match happens. It's interesting that you bring that up, Aki. Is that's, I think that's why we all thought Moxley was a legitimate threat to take down Orange Cassidy. Because they gave us the story between the Black Cool Combat Club and the best friends. Sure, exactly. Wasn't necessarily a singles feud between Moxley and Orange Cassidy, but you still got the story. No, that's a very good point. Very good point. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like, um, like obviously, like the opponent, like, like most of the time the opponent won't win, right? But you still want to have a storyline, like, what if this person won? What, like, what if there's at least a one percent chance they might win something to keep you on your toes you know right well you know let's segue from here right into the uh, potpourri section where we can talk about really anything that comes to mind about what happened tonight or what may happen on rampage collision whatever uh keep it brief and uh let's go um caleb do you want to go first here 
I'll, I'll let you start us out here, Kelson. Okay, well, you know, overall, tonight's show was very good, and uh, we're going to do a best and worst uh, segment right after this. But I want to go back, basically what we were just talking about, and what I really talked about to open the show was this men's tournament bracket is pretty much set in stone. It's 99% going to be Samoa Joe with maybe a less than 1% chance it's going to be Roderick Strong. There's no way that anybody else has shot at this. So why are we even doing the tournament? You know, and we touched on this last night. Why are they putting doing tournaments when, look, the Owen Hart Foundation was, did any of us pick anybody but Ricky Starks to win that tournament before it even started? No. 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 We all knew Ricky Starks was going to win the tournament. The only surprise there, which made it more enjoyable for me, was we pretty much across the board picked Sky Blue to win the tournament and the women's side, but Ruby Soho won it. But you know what? No, it made it no, more it special. Was, uh, Willow Nightingale. Willow Nightingale. Nightingale. Ruby Soho beat uh, Sky Blue, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, that's what I that's what I meant. I should have cursed so that I could edit that out. Anyway, <laughs> so, but anyway, that's what I wanted to say is like we got to do better, you know, with that. We've got to make a sense of mystery on these matches like that are booked. Well, a ranking system won't work if you have you know, the number one guy MJF fighting the number five guy who right now I don't know who in the MMR rankings that our, our staff member Doom guy does, but let's just say it's Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks not going to beat MJF because yeah. they have MJF on a, on a pedestal. You know what I mean? And and that's just that, you know. So now, if you had a, it's just it's. I don't know. I I made my point. So Caleb, let's go to you now. Yeah, yeah. For for what I want to add in here, I'm going to add in uh, the fact that we're getting significant women's storyline movement. That that's what I want to add in here, and that's I mean, Tony Storm is absolutely knocking out knocking it out of the park with her character work right now. And uh, we got we got the match announced. Uh, it's going to be Tony Storm versus Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose versus um, Hikaru Shida uh, in that four way match to see who's going to face Soraya at Grand Slam. It's got it's got to be Tony Storm. That that's a hundred percent the direction they're going, and I don't mind it at all. Storm's char- like, character work is untouchable right now on the women's side, and she's just unleashing her full craziness. It's entertaining, you know. Chin up, tits out, and watch the shoe. That, that it's great. R- yeah. Renee, Renee is having fun with it. Tony's having fun with it. I, I just I don't know how anyone can't love that and love what's going on. Uh, yeah, but here, here's the question I want to ask you, Caleb. Right? Why are we even having this four way match when we all know it's going to be Tony Storm? She's the only that, one that's getting promos. Lila Rose doesn't have a shot. Hikaru Shida doesn't have a shot. Who else is in this match? 
Britt Baker. Uh, Britt Baker. Britt Baker doesn't have a shot, right? Yeah, that's so why? You know, here's the point I'm going to make. Sure, have the four way, right? But don't have the same people. How many times are you going to do it a four way? Nyla Rose is the only person in this match that hasn't been in a four way in the last at least two four ways in the last two months, right? Yeah, and why not put? If if you're going to put Tony Storm in there, why are you using somebody that's already been in the? You know, you got the bunny in the back, you got Julia Hart in the back, Anna Jay. You could put yeah, any okay. of these. Would you know what I'm saying? You could put new people. If you're going to throw people to the wolves, at least throw somebody new into the wolves. Well, and so I will. I I do have a counter for that. The reason you have Hikaru Shida and Britt Baker in this match. We are not only going to see one feud get built from this, it's going to be two. We are now also going to get the Britt Baker versus Hukaru Shida feud uh, in full swing. So we will see not one, but two matches at Grand Slam for the women. Uh, and that will be Britt Baker versus Hukaru Shida. And we will see Tony Storm versus Soraya. And it will slowly you, start you, building AEW. You really, you really think that they're going to put two women's matches on one TV show? I, I do. I, and I think the oh, reason no, being is because that's, that's four, <laughs> it, oh, it, it is. But I think the reason being is because that's four of the those, those are arguably the four biggest draws in the women's division right now. Sheeta, Britt, Tony Storm, and Soraya. So I think. Okay, I think well, let me it. ask you. Let me ask you a question here. Okay, let me ask you a question here. Do you? There's actually a couple questions. Do you believe that Tony Storm has a shot of beating Soraya? Yes or no? Yes. So you don't think it's too soon to take the belt off of Soraya? Do I think it's too soon? Yes. Do I think that TK might do it anyways? Yes. Yes. Okay. uh, I'm going to move on to Rollins. I'm asking. You didn't let me ask questions. My questions. Okay. So now you think that Hikaru Shida and Britt Baker may have a match at Grand Slam, right? Yep. What's the better match? Storyline-wise, Soraya versus Storm. I'm talking wrestling-wise. Wrestling-wise, it could go either way. It depends on which Soraya shows up. That's that's really what it boils down to. Right. I was going to say, I'm a little bit, you know, different from you. I think that... Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida is by far going to be the better match. And that's why it's going to be kind of, I, I just, why would you have the champion champion Russell in a match that's not going to be as good as the, you know, for lack of better words, lower card match. But go ahead, uh, that, Caleb, you can move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let, let me move on to Rollins. Uh, Rollins, well, what's your, what do you have to add in here? So you probably think that I'm going to go and talk about Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. No, I'm not going to. Instead, I want to talk about who wasn't on this show. Kenny Omega is nowhere to be seen on this episode of Dynamite. To me, that is very interesting. Um, Coming off of the fact that he's now lost to Kanosuke Takeshita at once, twice, in a span of a week. So, the fact that we did not get Kenny Omega on this show at all 
Jones. I think something is happening with Kenny. I don't know what that something is, but maybe he's going to slowly start turning back to that dark side. I could see that. Um, so that's what I got for my potpourri. Jane, what you got? I don't want to talk about something ad nauseum. I, I want to expand on something that was said earlier. I don't want to beat a dead horse. The most interesting thing that's happening in uh, AEW women's wrestling right now is the dissidence of the outcasts, the fallout, hopefully, of the outcasts and Tony Storm's character. Now, I, I'm not trying to downplay anyone's opinion, but if Hikaru Shida and uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, were relevant right now, uh, Hikaru Shida would have retained her uh, title, and then uh, Dr. D uh, Dr. Britt Baker DMD wouldn't be so injured as to not be able to wrestle in the first place, which is where she stands at the moment. Now, I th I believe the organization is working on what they have, and that Tony Storm, uh, the reason they're continuing to build their her her crazy, she almost looks like Al Snow. If you guys are familiar with who. Al Snow is, he was a guy that ran through ECW, WCW, and WWE, and he had this whole head gimmick, and his whole thing that he was unhinged, but they built him up to be a superstar that was a champion, held the belt for a long time, he was transitional, but that's who he was, and that's how Tony Storm looks right now, and honestly, it's more interesting than watching the same four women wrestle for the same title in a revolving door for the past two years. Um, I would like to see Tony Storm uh, bring that title back because it would give Thunder Rosa a reason to come back and have to challenge that type of title in the first place because that Thank was you. that was the interim woman that took that title in the first place and made it relevant after years of stagnancy. That's what's important in the women's division. That's my potpourri. Aki, what do you got? I noticed that um, when they showed during the Moxley versus AR Fox match, that when Darby and Nick were staring at the match, um, Darby looked like he was trying to hype up AR, while Nick kind of just stood there, and he, he didn't really have really much of a reaction. So I'm really hoping that this can show into like a, maybe a feud where Darby is um, torn between the two of them. And then um, Nick is like, why are you trying to side with someone who literally broke into my house and beat the, uh, who beat me up, you know? I, I just want a feud with those two, with, with something like that. Very good. Uh, so now we're going to move on to our best and worst moments of the night. And uh, do you want me to start, Kayla, or would you like to start? I'll start us off here, uh, and then I'll pass it off to you. My best of the night would have to be the main event between Nick Wayne and Darby. To me, this was the only match that we had on the entirety of the card. That was not entirely predictable. It, it really felt like it could have gone either way before the match. And during the match, it felt like it could have gone either way. Nick Wayne showed out. And I mean, that uh, the suicide dive that Darby whiffed on 
was absolutely brutal. Darby puts his body through so much pain, no matter who he's facing. And I got to respect the guy for it. Uh, my worst of the night, as I just mentioned, was the predictability for everything else. I mean, I, I, I believe I called every single thing uh, last night. And then leading up to... Um, Leading up to the show, when all the card was getting announced, I'm like, okay, this is a clear winner. Okay, this is a clear winner. I would I would like for not so much predictability. And like Aki said, I would also like for titles not to get defended every single week. Like, the international title does not need to be defended every single week. We just saw it with OC. We got exhausted of that real quick. I really don't want to get exhausted of Moxley real quick. Uh, but I'll pass it over to you now. What were your best and worst? So my best moment of the night, and everybody I'm going to ask you, especially those of you who are on camera, to hold on to your chairs, because I'm about to knock you off the chair. My best moment of the night was Orange Cassidy coming to the ring and getting his props. That was, you know, I've said it over and over again, I got bored of Orange Cassidy being booked every single week. I thought it was funny that he came out first, but I appreciated Orange Cassidy, and I just thought it was great that he was able to stand in that ring and get that props, even though he's too lazy to give himself a catchphrase. My worst of the night is something that has been bothering me about AEW as a whole over the last three weeks, and I get why they've been doing it for, you know, because we just had two massive pay-per-views. But we can't go into Tuesday night at 9 o'clock with no clue of any matches or segments or, at the very least, one or two matches or segments on the flagship television show for AEW. And this has happened far too much for both Dynamite and Collision. We know more about Rampage on Wednesday nights than we do about Wednesday night Dynamite on Tuesday night and Collision on Friday night. It's as simple as that. They've got to do a better job of putting out a little bit of story, you know, kind of alludes to what Aki was talking about got to be some story in there. Rollins, what was your best and worst of the night? Um, I'm going to say my best of the night was the MJF Samoa Joe stuff. The way they were talking, Samoa Joe kept saying the same thing over and over and over again, but getting madder and madder each time. So, what's your problem, kid? Loved that. And then my worst of the night the Moxley AR Fox match. I mean, Moxley's great and all that, but why is AR Fox getting another international championship opportunity? It didn't make sense. And at no point did I think Moxley was going to lose the championship. Because he literally just won it on Sunday against Orange Cassidy. So. So, uh, the best part of my evening 
um, was watching Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho look at each other like, hey, by the way, uh, there's some problems between us that are not getting resolved and that having to be broken up and no one acknowledging how that could be huge uh, for exposition between the two of them in the future. And then my worst part of the night was not giving Tony Storm enough time during a promo to continue to engage me in terms of how awesome her story is. Aki, what do you got, bud? My favorite part was um, the Darby Allen match and Nick Wayne match, especially, awesome. t- especially the part where Darby was like, um, stop hitting me so soft, hit me harder. Cause that that sounded so masochistic, um, and uh, I, I guess my least favorite has to be um, I I I guess the the bracket and the like. It's obvious Samoa Joe is gonna win it, or you know, or or uh, Roderick Strong. I keep forgetting names. Hit him. All right. Well, that is going to wrap things up unless you have something else to add, Caleb. Uh, That's going to be it. Uh, I do want to thank our pillars here, Rollins, Shane, and Aki for joining us as always here on Ali Lee Talk. Uh, Everybody listening, if you do us a favor, follow us on YouTube, follow our Reddit, follow our Twitter, like, comment, share, tag us wherever you are finding us at. We will always reach out. We will always engage. And as well, come join our Discord. Come have fun with us in the Discord. If you like talking wrestling, we aren't going to discourage anyone from joining us. Uh, and anything else you'd like to add here, Kelson? Yeah, just uh, you know, to expand on what you said. Also said this your firstborn, so we have something to give to Christian Cage. So maybe you'll join us on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Do this in my mind. <laughs> well, thank you guys again for joining us for the AEW Fan Hub. This is Caleb. And this is Kelson. Good night, everybody. Good night, Eddie Kingston. Oh, for <laughs> Christ's sake. <laughs>